0: Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome back to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Justin Schiller. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Ryan Bearden on how the right content strategy can shape today's B2B buyer's journey. Ryan has spent over 20 years in B2B marketing technology with strategic leadership experience across both agency and client side roles. Throughout his career, Ryan has supported companies ranging from high growth SaaS providers to some of the largest brands in the world. In his current role as AVP of Portfolio Marketing, Ryan leads product marketing, content strategy, digital experience and communications teams for AT&T business supporting their full portfolio of products and services. Ryan, I'm super excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Justin. Excited to be back here and uh, speaking with you today. So thanks so much for having me back.
1: You're very welcome. Ryan, before we begin, I just want to frame the conversation for our listeners. Today's B2B buyer's journey is more complex than ever. More stakeholders are part of the evaluation process. And obviously, the pandemic has really accelerated this process to entirely digital. With that being said, most of the B2B buyer's journey is anonymous. Far few individuals are raising their hand to fill out an actual form. In fact, by the time that happens, it's often too late to influence the B2B buying decision, which is why your content strategy and how B2B marketers are engaging their target accounts at the right time with the right messaging is such a critical component of any B2B go to market strategy in 2022. Ryan, let's begin. As a veteran in B2B marketing, can you walk us through your journey and share insights into some of the best content strategies you've come across in your career?
0: Yeah, of course. Happy to do so. So, you know, I don't get a chance to say this very much, right? I think you of this do, but I'm aging myself. But when I first started out in B2B marketing, it was a turn of the century, right? That's just a fun thing to be able to say real quick, that you can, we were around at the turn of the century. A content strategy at that time wasn't really a thing. Right? at least not a mainstream thing at the time. And it was traditional advertising, direct mail, people were still figuring out email, and very much a sales-driven world. Personally, I've seen, as we've evolved, seen this idea of content strategy really materialize and mature from the birth of where we were at the time these new channels like blogs and podcasts and even interactive content even really started to become a thing. So that was really fun, really being on you know one of the companies that I was working for, actually launching a podcast and being this kind of cool new thing that people are doing now. Fast forward to today, and you know, those are so common, right? We're talking on a podcast now. There are countless podcasts out there, very popular ways of consuming content and learning about new products, new services, or just, you know, being entertained. To answer your question specifically, when we start to look at what are some of the best content strategies that I've seen that I think are really strong are, you know, number one, there's a company out there that I actually happen to see on LinkedIn a little bit. And I really started following them because I love the way that they do it. It's a company called Refined Labs. And they're a B2B demand gen company. You may have heard of them. And I really, really liked the way that they, videoized their podcast that they have, Uh, the CEO there, I think his name is Chris Walker. And the way that they were doing using organic native social media on LinkedIn was really great, right? It wasn't taking you off of the social channel to drive to a website. They had the video embedded there, but they also created a lot of content, You know, the show more that we all seen so much, the show more content where they were able to give you a lot of really good snippets of what you're going to see in this seven, eight, nine minute video. And the way that they have done that and permeate that I think is really great. And I just, as I said, I stumbled across that and thought it was just really fascinating and got to it. Now I'm listening to their podcast on the regular and I'm seeing this show up on my feed. And so I'm consuming a lot of it. I think they've done a really good job of embracing this sort of native organic content approach. And another one, one more that I'm going to highlight here that I actually helped to lead in my previous company, Hot Schedules. we were launching a new platform, a new product offering, and we were focused on the restaurant and hospitality space. And as we were probably about six months before we launched that, we embarked on what we call the stall the market campaign. And so what we really did is we put a lot of content out there. We leveraged our PR engine. We leveraged our content engine to really focus on what are the gaps in the market today? What are the gaps in restaurant technology today that are keeping restaurants from driving more efficiency, from managing their costs more, you know? And so we really put a lot of time and energy into sort of teasing, if you will, what we were coming out with by highlighting the the negative or the opportunities, if you will, that the current technology landscape in the restaurant space was just not filling. And so we felt like that was really successful for us because at the time when we had the launch event, we had built up quite a bit of momentum with the buyers and and our key customers in that space. So something that I saw firsthand work really, really well.
1: Ryan, thank you for sharing those two content strategy examples. With the majority of stakeholders doing their evaluation anonymously, what role does content play in 2022 to effectively enable the right sales conversations?
0: Yeah. So, you know, as a marketer, I really see it as my job is, if I could distill it down into the most simplest form is, I want to create and enable a meaningful conversation, meaningful engagement between that buying prospect and that seller. So I love the way that you framed this question, because that really gets to the whole of what I'm trying to do in my day-to-day world. And so you know, I think the biggest trap that companies are falling into today is really taking an inside-out approach to content. Hey, here's the products that we have. Here's what they do. Here's how much they cost. And here's why you should buy it. And that's not to say that those things aren't relevant they are relevant, but they're relevant at the right time. And a lot of times what I've seen, and even in my current role, I've seen this in some pockets of our offerings is we put so much emphasis on that. Here is the latter stage of that buying process. And we completely neglect what that research, what that fact finding those buyers are doing ahead of that. And so I really look at things like, You know, are they talking to those companies who have made their decision with that particular way? They're talking to companies who have already made their decision. Those are the ones that they're reaching with that approach. And so I think the key role content should play in today's world is really aligning to the customer needs and how they learn. It is easily found. Are they easily finding the content where they are looking, where they are shopping, where they are engaging with their peers? Is it adding value, right? Are we creating content that is adding value to that particular buyer in the stage that they're in around the challenges that they have? And is it easy to access? You know, there was a recent Gartner report that said evaluating B2B buying processes, 74% of those that were surveyed said they found the B2B buying process overly complex. 74%, three-fourths of buying prospects said that. And I think that that's an opportunity as marketers in the tech space to be able to leverage content to how do we make that a less complex buying process. Business cases are huge, right? Business cases are so important, especially when you're making an enterprise that upper-sized company enterprise major investments, that business case is there. So how are we leveraging content to help them create that business case, to help them remove complexity out of that process? And I think one thing also that comes into this that isn't necessarily content, but it should feed it, is how well do you know your customer? How well do you know how much they learn? How well do you know how they buy? And how well do you know the other constituents that are a part of that buying process? If you don't know that and you're guessing at that, it's going to really create some challenges for you down the road.
1: I love that. Two things I I took out of that answer was, are you adding value with your content and are you aligning the content to, to where the company is in their digital buyer's journey? Well said. What is your definition of sales enablement in today's digital landscape?
0: So I want to take just a quick second to start with let's start with the legacy way of thinking about sales enablement, right? You know, we could probably talk about this for an hour, right? But just a very succinct way training our sellers to sell our products, arming them with collateral and tools, whether it's a deck, whether it's a product slick, whatever it may be. And then in theory, we have taught them enabled them to go sell our products. But that's kind of contrary to what we were just talking about, right? That's kind of contrary to how is that really helping us to enable that meaningful conversation? And so with more and more buyers doing their own research independent of sales reps that we're seeing, what makes more sense to me is almost flipping this script a bit. There are those legacy enablement tactics. Let's broaden that and think about that through the lens of the customer, right? So let's think about, I want to be able to insert my content into the places as we just talked about where these buyers are researching, they're learning, they're looking to understand the right solutions to solve their problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That legacy way of enablement, there's a big chunk of that that needs to be focused more on the customer. Meanwhile, with these influx of new marketing technology, and you know this, Justin, very well in your role, but marketing technology has probably advanced more in the last 10 years than it did in the previous 100 years, right? And so we have this ability to find insights, to find buying signals, right? We can use tools now that enable us to understand these are brands, and in some cases, the actual people, here's what they're searching for, here's what content they're consuming, Here's the editorial content they're consuming. Here's the your marketing content that they have a consumed or engaged with. Those are the kinds of signals, I think that is what should enable the sellers more, right? That is what we should be feeding them to give them more insights into here is, I'm gonna condense your focus area of where you're gonna go after, but I know for a fact, these are the people that are doing the actual research. These are the people that are showing true intent, not just because they hit on one of our emails or downloaded our eBooks for this broad array of activities and behaviors that we're seeing. We do that. And then that's going to inherently help those sellers. We've educated the customer and now the seller has insights into what they're actually looking for. That's going to enable that meaningful conversation, right? The more educated our buyers are, It's going to make a lot easier job for the sellers to be able to engage in that meaningful conversation because they're not having to educate that buyer from ground zero. They've already done the legwork.
1: Ryan, what are some of the evolving strategies of B2B buying practices and how, how different is it now compared to the earlier days of marketing?
0: Well, I think one of the biggest things I would say is this generational shift, right? There's this new generation of professionals that are entering the market, right? Everything from millennials to Generation Z. And these folks, as they start to become more, I'll say mature for lack of a better word, as they start to increase in the marketplace, these are folks that were born in the internet age, right? And I can't say that about myself. These, I'm aging myself there, but I can't say that about me. But these are the folks that were From the moment they came out of the womb, so to speak, right, they started using technology as early as, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old. And so they became more comfortable with it. I think that revelation in and of itself is sort of a genesis to this changing behaviors. You're seeing a lot more online research happening before than you did 15 years ago. And so that's a really big part of that. And then, while not necessarily a new trend, this idea of buying teams is continued, right? There's a buying committee. And in my observation, it's continuing to mature. Again, Buying committees is something that's been around for a number of years, but I think the size of those buying committees is growing. And how we as marketers and in partnership with our sellers leverage that knowledge to go and create those meaningful engagements, that is the part that is still maturing. And so I think that certainly adds some, again, complexity to that, right? Because when you're thinking about content to reach these folks, well, now you've got technology, you've got financial, you've got line of business people. How are you thinking about that whole buying committee? And then marketing tactics as a whole, I think, is a big part of this, too. This is one of the shifts that I think that is probably struggling to evolve, right? Trust Radius, have, they do this annual report on the B2B buying disconnect, where they survey all of their, the folks that have provided surveys on their customers. And what they found is, is that the disconnect between the marketing tactics that marketers are using today and the tactics that B2B buyers are really engaging with, or leaning on, There's a disconnect there. One just interesting note here is that when you think I referenced marketing collateral, product collateral earlier, if you look at that list from their survey results, marketing collateral, product collateral was ninth on that list, ninth. And I can, I don't know about you, Justin, but for me, I know it feels like we spend a lot of time. I have pockets of my days, my weeks, my months when I feel like, We're over-indexing on this product collateral when there are other opportunities we could be taking to reach these customers and have them engage with us. That and then the the other piece of that, kind of a subset of that last one there, was again, I mentioned Trust Radius in that report, but those peer sites like Trust Radius, like G2, those things have really proliferated quite a bit in the last 10 years or so. and I think you're seeing the usage continue to increase on that because it is a very relevant source for these buyers to come in and know that they're going to get straightforward answers, they're going to get voice of the customer in a way that is not a handpicked reference by the actual tech company, but actual anonymous, sometimes anonymous, but sometimes named sources that are giving deep insights into what is good and what is not good about those products. I think that is really going to continue to shift shift this buying landscape.
1: Why do you think marketing hasn't evolved to adapt to the to the digital landscape as quickly as they should have?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great question. You know, I think we still have business leaders, sales leaders, marketing leaders that are still clinging to marketing and lead flow metrics that really look good and clean on a slide or on a report, but they're not really moving the needle, right? I'm thinking back to even some recent history in my experience where we really tried to go in and figure out how can I increase my conversion from a lead to an opportunity by a half a percent? And what would that flow down look like? At the end of the day, No matter how you slice that and look at that, and if you want to move a half percent, half percent there, what we both know, Justin, is that in that traditional, we'll call it lead generation model, we're capturing leads, we're capturing contacts, we're sending them to a BDR or SDR, or we're sending them to sales. The majority of that doesn't convert, the vast majority of it. But there was a lot of years that were spent, right, in the early 2000s timeframe where I say we, the proverbial we, the marketing professor, we were trying to educate our sellers, our executive leaders on this idea of funnel marketing. What is the funnel? These leads come in. How do they convert? And I think there's been a comfort level that's been created that because, again, those are metrics that you can really tie to. And then secondly, I think marketing is a long game, especially these days, right? Going back to what we were talking about, how do we make content easy to access? Frictionless to consume for the buyer. To do that, you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to give up a gated form. You're going to give up these other channels that are predominantly focused on how you can get someone to fill out a form or capture their information behind the screens. But at the end of the day, I want people to consume this. And that is a very uncomfortable feeling because if we can't measure it, then it makes executives feel uncomfortable. It makes business leaders feel uncomfortable. And I think figuring out how we sort of translate these new buying behaviors, how we can translate this new world order, into metrics-based. They're just not the same metrics that we've looked at. I think that's where we need to move to, but I think it, it's, again, that's a pretty big shift there, right? It's like turning a naval fleet, especially, again, as I said, we've built so much time training our business leaders to look at a marketing dashboard in the way that is now becoming more and more outdated. Well said,
1: and, and you're right about the, the shift in metrics. I mean, more content consumption leads to more opportunities, pipeline velocity, and ultimately revenue. And that's, that's what executives truly care about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Now, I think that the challenge to that too, Justin, just to add to that is, again, that the key term there being the long game. If we might get folks to consume more of our content, we might see more opportunities in pipeline build, but it might be six months, it might be seven months, right? And so, again, I think that embracing the idea of the long game is really, really important, but extremely uncomfortable for a lot of leaders.
1: How can marketing evolve, especially with content strategy, to meet these buyers' needs and behaviors?
0: That's a great one. I think first and foremost, you really need a leadership team that will embrace what we've talked about here today, that will embrace and accept this new world order of B2B buying. I think that's really key, right? And we've seen this in all of our walks of lives and all of our business life. But if we can do that and we can get that executive team to wrap their heads around that, then they will be a part of how we move forward. So I think that's first. And then I think it really starts with rethinking your marketing engine, right? You just touched on something briefly about this content engine. And so if I look at where are my marketing resources going and I've got two people over here focused on content and then I've got two or three email marketing managers, I've got a demand gen media buyer and I've got these people. Well, you know, let's think differently about that. Where do we, we know that we need to create compelling content. We want to have that in house, right? We don't want to offload. We don't want to outsource that content creation. And that's what typically happens, right? As we look at an opportunity to say, We're going to go to an outside agency or whatever to help us with the content, but we want this important demand work inside when, in reality, no agency will ever grasp the subject matter expertise of your people inside. Never. That will never happen. And so making sure that you've got the right people in place that can fuel this engine on a consistent basis, right? It's about quality. But it is about quantity, too. You've got to got a consistent cadence of that content coming out. And so I think that's really, really important is how are you structuring your team? And then finally, again, we talked about some of those legacy metrics, right? Legacy lead funnel metrics before. But just because we're maybe not clinging to those metrics, it doesn't mean that metrics aren't important. And so we have to redefine what are those right metrics. We're embracing this new B2B buying world. We're embracing the fact that we need to change how we work. But we also need to embrace and accept that we need new metrics around this because in this day and age, no metrics is really not an option. And let's be honest, there are some metrics and some KPIs that can be defined with this new model.
1: Really interesting perspective, Ryan. Is there a book, blog, newsletter, website, or even video that you would recommend to our listeners?
0: You know, I mentioned, I alluded to it at the beginning, you know, Refined Labs, they have a podcast, I think it's called the State of Demand Gen. It's really fascinating, you know, what the content that they put out there. I would highly recommend seeking them out and listening, especially in the, if you're in the B2B marketing world and, you know, demand generation world, check that out because it's some really good stuff. And then I would also say there's a book, it's not really focused on what we're talking about here, but I'm going to have two books that I'm going to recommend. One of them is, I'm kind of late to the game. My wife was making fun of me about this, but Atomic Habits by James Clear. I started this book and I'm about 35% of the way through it. And it is a game changer. Everything from how you work to how you live. It's a really great book. And then one that I admittedly haven't started reading yet, but I saw an interview with the author of this on one of our leadership meetings at work here. It's called Think Again by Adam Grant. And it's really, about the power of knowing what you don't know. And it really centers around how to embrace this idea of other ideas or pushback on your ideas, right? You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, the smartest gal in the room, but how you really apply that in a practical and rational way and the power that it can have on your team dynamic and the results of your business.
1: Really appreciate those recommendations, Ryan. Last question. How can people get connected with you after this recording?
0: Usually LinkedIn. Like I said, I'm being so fascinated with content. LinkedIn is just a great place for me to go and see what other folks are doing and get the ideas. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can find me there, Ryan Bearden. And you know I'm pretty, you know, not on it all the time, but very easily reachable there. Would be more than happy to connect with folks. I love talking shop with people like you, Justin, or anybody. So would recommend anybody reach out. Would love to connect and meet new folks anytime.
1: Fantastic. Ryan, I really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being on the
0: show. Yeah, thank you Justin. I had enjoyed it. I had a great time. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand based TV.